Let's then turn in our Bibles to the 21st chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And I'm going to be reading from verse 5 all the way down to the end of the chapter in verse, I think it was 38. Yep, 38. Okay, let me read it to you. Some of his, that is Jesus, disciples were remarking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, as for what you see here, the time will come when one, when not one stone will be laid upon another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are about to take place? And Jesus replied, Watch out that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name, claiming, I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and revolutions, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he, that is Jesus, said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines and pestilence in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all of this, they will lay hands on you and persecute you. They will deliver you to the synagogues and to prisons. And you will be brought before kings and governors all on account of my name. This will result in your being witnesses to them. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand about how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by your parents brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. All men will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm, you will gain life. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea, flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out. Let those in the country not enter the city. For the time of punishment in fulfillment of... For this is the time of punishment in fulfillment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers... There will be great distress in the land and wrath against this people. They will fall by the sword and they will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. There will be signs in the sun, moon and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. 
These things begin to, or when these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. He told them this parable. Look, look at the fig tree and all of the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, with drunkenness, with the anxieties of life. That the day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on your watch. And pray that you may be able to escape what is about to happen. And that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Each day Jesus was teaching at the temple. And each evening he went out to spend the night on the hill that is called the Mount of Olives. And the people came early in the morning to hear him in the temple. Amen. Amen. Again, we're looking at the Olivet Discourse. One of the longest actual messages, answers to any question that Jesus gives. And this is probably one of the greatest, in modern day churches, neglected portions. Very controversial, as we all know, the, the A post and pre but what Jesus is saying here goes beyond just our eschatological bent preference it's a personal challenge it's a, it's a reminder to each and every one of us of the need to be able to walk with him and to hear him in the beginning of course Jesus addresses the temple as they're coming out of the temple and the disciples are distracted by the, the flamboyance, the glory, the, the spectacularness of the temple. And Jesus dismisses it. He knows what's about to happen. He perceives whether it was spiritual insight or whether he had just read it in the scriptures. I think it's probably both. Revelation from Revelation. He read the end. And for you and I, this is a great confirmation of his divinity, of his insight into the things that were to come. This week I have been in my own personal devotions in the book of Isaiah, in the prophet Isaiah. And it's such a wonderful journey. And as I'm studying for tonight's message and also then doing my own devotion and, and the two of them are paralleling one another and going so wonderfully together and as I'm reading one I'm thinking about the other and I'm thinking that just fits so well you know where in, in Isaiah God speaking and God challenging Israel and he says gather together come You fugitives from the nations, ignorant of those who carry about wooden idols, who pray to gods who cannot save, declare what what is to be, present it, let them take counsel together. Who foretold this long ago? Who declared it from distant past? 
Was it not I, the Lord? There is no God apart from me. A righteous God and a Savior. There is none but me. Here we have God declaring his knowledge of the future. And Jesus then demonstrating that very quality. And we see the divinity of Jesus on display. Should be a great encouragement to you and I. Did you know that all of history is already written? Post that which has happened, that which is happening, and that which will happen. Everything is following the plan and the purpose of God. Nothing is happening that is outside his control. Do you know that the Bible talks about the end of the world? The Bible discusses and and has great detail of the things that will happen. That nothing happens by chance. You and I should... We should be the boldest, bravest, most determined people because we know that our lives are in the hands of God and that nothing can harm us, that we are protected. This is one of the reasons why the reformers and the the early Protestants, the ones who came out of the Roman times, why they were so determined and brave. They didn't shrink away from the flames of martyrdom. But they stood up bold and embraced life. Because they knew that God was in control. And that all things would would happen in accordance to their fulfillment as it had been written. Again it says here, remember this from Isaiah. Remember this and fix it in your mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Talking, God talking to Israel. Remember the former things of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I know the end from the beginning. From ancient times and that which is still to come. And I say to you, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. When we're considering Christ teaching about the the end of the time, the end of times, the end of the temple, the end of, of Jerusalem, we must always remember that here in this little passage, we're seeing a glimpse of his divinity, of his power and of his majesty. All too often, we kind of just skip over those things. All too often we just take it for granted. See, the disciples came. I think it's very interesting that they asked. They didn't ask why. Lord, why are these things going to happen? They asked when. Because they knew their Old Testament. It wasn't Old Testament to them, of course. It was the Bible. And they knew that there was judgment coming. But still, they had the the natural inclination to believe for the positive. They, they were expecting the power of God to come down on earth and the kingdom to be established in Jerusalem there and then. And there was a little bit of a, a conflict, even though Jesus had been telling them time and time and time again for months, if not weeks, or weeks, if not months, 
what was going to happen when they got to Jerusalem, still in their minds it was clouded and they, they had a, a false expectation of how things were going to work out. It's going to work out in the end. Now we know it will, but in their particular case, for Jerusalem, there were steps in the middle that they just didn't, couldn't put together. Jesus dealing with it. And he told us, or he told them who then through the Holy Spirit was recorded now it's been handed, that the end times or the times that were to come would not be times of peace and blessing and prosperity in that in a spiritual sense, but they would be tumultuous times. They will be troubled times. We are told in other places that it will be a time of trouble like the world had never seen. I, of course, We understand that, in part, he's talking directly about what was going to happen in Jerusalem. He was speaking of events that were going to happen in 40 years' time. But also, within that, there is a a bond together. He goes beyond Jerusalem and he sees to the end of this era, the end of this time, to the second coming, to the time when God's judgment is all poured out upon the earth. And so he's seeing one, but also talking about the other. And Jesus warns his disciples, don't think it's going to be like heaven on earth. Don't think that all men are going to applaud you and welcome you. He warns them of that which is to come so that they might be confident in him. So that when things look like they're at their darkest, that's when the light shines bright. Remember Christ said to them, these things happen that you might be a testimony. That you might testify in your generation of my glory. He goes on about the personal persecution that they would endure. And again, we... We understand through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that that lesson is passed through time down through the generations. The Christians will endure, that they will be persecuted, that they will endure tribulation time and time again. But here he's talking about a, a specific time. In verse 17, he says, All men will hate you because of me. He doesn't say all men will hate you because, you know, of your nationality or your politics, whatever, whatever. They may disguise it so because of your gender, because of your sexual orientation or bias or whatever those things are. They may dress it up. They may conceal their hatred of Christ in fine language. But when it comes down to it, they just hate Jesus in you. And because of that, they will persecute you. doesn't matter what you say. doesn't matter how much you agree with them. doesn't matter how much common ground you try and find. They will not make peace with you. Because as they would not make peace with Jesus, but killed him. In some sense, they will not make peace with Jesus inside you. 
there can be no union between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. And then it goes on in verse 18 and 19. But not a hair of your head will perish. And of course this is like a little, how is this contradiction? No, Jesus said, do not be afraid of him who can destroy the body, but then do no more harm. But rather fear him who can destroy both the body and the soul, casting a man into hell. This is the eternal perseverance, the eternal protection, eternal protection. Though we might die in this life, we live forever. Verse 19, by standing firm will you gain life. It is a call to perseverance. Jesus is calling his followers, believers, to persevere, to stand firm. I like that word, to stand firm. It it, it has the, the, the idea of a tree in a storm. The wind blowing against it. And yet because the roots are deep, it, it survives. It's not moved. I, I remember many years ago, there was a freak storm in Sweden. And it flattened all their forests. I don't know if you remember it. It looked like you know a giant had come and just tramped them all. And there was just a carpet of fallen trees. And they... They examined and they discovered why that happened. It was because the trees, their roots were really shallow. They had no real grip on the soil. The soil was so shallow and the trees were just holding on to one another. So when one tree fell, they all fell. And there was, they had no firm footing in the ground. And so it basically became like a, a domino effect. One tree fell, knocked the other tree, and it just flattened the entire forest. Jesus is telling us that we must stand firm. We cannot give in or give up or fall away or turn away. That we must hold fast to the teachings of Christ. And then today in verse 20, I want to look at these things down to 24, I think. Jesus turns now his attention specifically to Jerusalem. Specifically to the city that he's looking at across the valley. He's looking at it. And I can just imagine him talking with his disciples. And he's saying, when you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies. The, the, the words there, surrounded, means like drawing in a noose. Doesn't mean that it is. But he says, when you see it beginning to happen. Not when it has happened, but when it's beginning to happen. When you see the forces approaching Jerusalem, you will know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and those who, uh, let those in the city get out. Let those in the country not enter into the city. This is actually the opposite of worldly thinking. Good strategy, good teaching. If, if you're into warfare like I am, I, I like, I watch history war things on, on, on YouTube. They will tell you that when, when an invading army happen, comes and invades the land, the safest place to be is in a, a, a fortified city. 
The safest place to be is behind a big stone wall. Because usually the people in, out in the country, the farmsteads and, and the, the, all those little villages that don't have walls, they're just annihilated. They're just knocked down and flattened. And here Jesus is telling his disciples, when you see it happening, flee. For this is the time of punishment in fulfillment of all that has been written. This actually happened. When the destruction of Jerusalem in 69 to 70 AD was happening and the Roman armies were approaching Jerusalem. It is recorded but in history, the Christians recorded it, that they remembered what had been written. And, it says, and by revelation, somebody gave revelation and basically they remember what Jesus said. And the Christians en masse escaped. A massive exodus of all the Christians from Jerusalem happened. And they went across Judea. And they went into Decapolis. Decapolis? Decapolis. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. Over the sea. Into the mountains. And they were completely protected. Tens of thousands of Christians fled the city. And went. And were completely And then the Romans closed in. And, and if you... Go on YouTube and look at the history of that battle. It was savage. Josephus, the historian, the Jewish historian who worked for the Romans, a bit of a propagandist, but he recorded, he estimates that over a million people were killed. Now, modern historians kind of say, mm, Josephus, mm, mm, a little bit of propaganda there. And over 190,000 people were taken into slavery, dispersed. Again, don't know the real numbers. People kind of think, mm, if there was a million people in, in Jerusalem at that time, everybody would have been standing like this. But I don't know. I don't know. Terrible. But this actually happened. The Bible tells us that, that God destroyed that city. That its destruction was, was prescribed in antiquity before. It didn't come as a shock. It didn't accidentally happen. But rather it had been foretold. Was it avoidable? Yes, absolutely. God had, through the ages past, sent prophet after prophet, emissary after emissary, speaker after speaker. God had provided them with the law of Moses, the words of the prophets, and the testimony of the Psalms. God had given them the law the ceremonial law, which is a demonstration of the gospel. God had continually called Jerusalem and Israel back to repentance. He had time after time sought them to come back and yet they refused. Again, because I have been in Isaiah this week in my own devotions, God says about Jerusalem here in, in, in Isaiah 29, 
the subheading of my Bible is the woe to David's city. It says, the Lord says, these people come near me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They only worship that which is made by their own hands and is made up of only rule. Their, their worship of me is only made up of rules taught by men. Therefore, once more I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder, with wisdom of the wise. The wisdom of the wise will perish, and the intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their work in darkness and think, who can see us, who will know? You will turn things upside down as the potter were thought to be like the clay. And again he says in verse in chapter 30, Woe to this obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine, and forming alliances, but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin, who go down to Egypt without consulting me, who look to for who look for help from Pharaoh's protection. To Israel or to Egypt's shade for refuge. And again it says in verse 9, These are rebellious people, deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. They say to the seers, see no more visions, and say to the prophets, Give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. Leave us this way. Let us get off the path. Stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. Therefore, this is what the Holy One of Israel says. Because you have rejected this message and relied upon oppression and depended upon deceit, this sin will come upon you. Like a high wall cracked and bulging that suddenly collapsed. In an instant, it will break into pieces like pottery, shattered so mercilessly that among its pieces, not a fragment will be found for taking coals from the hearth or from scooping out water from a cistern. God had time after time reached out to Israel. Time, year after year, for thousands of years, God had reached out to the people. And called them back. And yet time after time they had rejected his prophets. They had rejected his emissaries. They had rejected his word. Which he had caused to be written down and recorded and provided for them. They gave an outward illusion to belief. They, with their lips, flattered and said, yes, yes. But in their hearts and by their actions, they displayed. They had no faith, no time for him. And in time after God sent prophet after prophet, emissary after emissary, even giving to them the word, God sent his own son to come and to call Israel back to faith. To call them to believe in him. To reject their own ways. Indeed again in Isaiah it says. This is what the sovereign Lord. The Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In the quietness and trust is your strength. But you would not have any of it. 
You said, no, we will flee on horses, therefore you will flee. You said, we will ride off safe on swift horses, therefore your pursuers will be swift. A thousand will flee at the threat of one, and at the threat of five you will flee away, till you are left like a flagstaff on top of a mountain, like a banner on a hill. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion, for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait upon him. God sent his son, and he demonstrated his mercy and grace and compassion. Think of the miracles that Jesus did. Think of the the acts of creation that he did, breaking the the, the bread and the fishes and, 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 and sharing it out. Think of those who received new limbs and new eyes, those who he took away their cancers. Think of those whom he delivered from under the influence and control of the devil, under, under satanic power. Think of the hope that he gave. Think of the woman who was caught in adultery and was about to die. The men were going to stone her and yet by Christ's actions was she released. She was set free. Time after time, God reached out to Israel and Israel rejected Christ. There's a lesson there for you and I, isn't there? There's a lesson for us as a people. As God showed great patience and perseverance with Israel. As God that I was word fought hard for Israel's salvation for the the safety of Jerusalem but in the end judgment fell it was inescapable the people thought they could get away with it the people thought that God would not notice that God did not care yet in the end their Justice was fulfilled. That which was deserving came upon them. It was inescapable. They could not flee. It fell upon them. And the destruction of Jerusalem was great. How often have we, like Jerusalem of old, resisted? How often have we, you children, who have grown up in Christian households and have been blessed by access to spiritual things, have heard the word of God, have been in Sunday school, have had Christian parents who have enjoyed the sanctity, the, 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 the safety of being in a Christian environment. Yet time after time, the words have not taken root in your heart. Now we, we, we Calvinists, we talk about the wickedness of man. We talk about the depravity of the human heart. And we often paint it in terrible pictures that people out there just can't really understand. But I don't know anybody like that. I don't know anybody who's like deprived. I mean... Depraved, that's terrible. You know, we think of a serial killer who eats people. When we talk about depraved, the worst of the worst, 
And people out there are like, no, you're, you're exaggerating and, and you're, you're, you're going too far. People are not that bad. We're all kind of nice. We live in a moral country full of nice people. And we look upon ourselves and we favour ourselves. Well, I'm not as bad as I could be. And I'm certainly not as bad as you know, other people are. I'm all right. But let me ask you. Do you love Jesus? It's not how bad you are. It's how is your relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe in him? Do you believe in him? Not like a small child believes in Santa Claus. But are you trusting in his power to set you free from sin? Are you trusting that he is your sacrificial lamb? That he is your Passover? That he has bought you and redeemed you and set you free? Are you trusting in his finished work on your behalf? And that you cannot add to it in any way. You say to me, well, I'm, I'm not that bad. Pastor God, I'm not that bad. I'm all right. I, but God won't judge me because I'm not that bad. I'll kind of get away with it. He doesn't really see me or know me. I don't really have anything to do with him. Remember Jerusalem. Remember Jerusalem. And the justice and the faith that came upon it. It was prescribed and foretold and warned. Time after time after time, the prophets called the people to repentance. Mm. They called them to faith in, in God, to trust in the Christ that was to come. And time after time after time, they resisted and they said, No, I have no time for you. I am too busy living my life. I'm too busy getting all my stuff. They maybe went to church, to the synagogue. They maybe said their prayers, like good religious people. They paid their taxes. They were good to their pets. And they, were, they loved their wives and their mommies. And they got on with their lives. But they did not believe. And their hearts were empty of God. And justice and judgment came upon Jerusalem. They could not escape. Beloved, learn the lesson of Jerusalem. The Bible tells us that one day judgment will come upon the world. The Bible tells us that one day time runs out. And we live in this modern illusion that time is eternal and just keeps going and going. You know the hands of a clock and you see the second hand and the second hand of a clock just keeps going and going and going and it never stops and it never comes to an end. That's not time. Time doesn't look like that. Time is a, an hourglass. Have you ever seen an hourglass? Like something that's like two glasses that are connected and it has sand in it and you turn it over and the sand runs from the top down to the bottom. We are living on borrowed time. Time is ticking away, ticking, ticking away. The grains of sand, the sands of time are running out. 
And there is a day that is prescribed, that is promised, that Jesus has warned us about, that is coming. And it is inescapable. You cannot flee it. You can ignore it, but it's still coming. You will still stand before God. What would you say? Well, Lord, I, I didn't know. Lie. You didn't care. Jesus came to Jerusalem. Jesus taught and ministered and helped people and showed the heart and the love of God. And people didn't care. In the end, they would rather have a dirty, rotten terrorist murderer than the perfect son of God who had provided and protected them and healed them from their sicknesses and diseases. Beloved, remember Jerusalem. Remember that there is a time coming when the end comes. You cannot escape it. What will you say? The Bible talks that every man, every woman, man, woman and child will one day stand before God. Well, you say, well, I'm only little. God won't judge me. I'm only little. I'm only little. God will judge me. I'm a child. I, I, I can't be held responsible. Do you not think that there were children in Jerusalem when the end came? When the Romans destroyed the city. They leveled it flat. Do you not think that they suffered? Beloved, you and I enjoy good access to the word of God. We live in the blessing of being able to hear the word of God preached faithfully every week. It is as if God sends a prophet to us every week. Now, a prophet who speaks the word of God, not invents words from God. It's like God himself comes down. It's like Jesus is amongst us and he calls his people to repentance. He calls them to have faith within himself, to look to him and be saved. And yet there we sit with our hard hearts. On our disinterested minds. When is this over? I, I have to get back. Why? Why? You know, why? Why? Do not deceive yourself. Do not think that you will slip under God's radar. Everyone, every single one of us, all living souls, will stand before God in judgment. You will either, either hear the, the expression guilty and condemned to everlasting hell prepared for the devil and his angels or you will hear the sentence passed pardoned, paid in full that we have looked unto our Savior and we have been set free. Christ has paid it all. It is finished. Beloved, remember the lesson of Jerusalem. 
Remember the lesson of Jerusalem. Its doom was foretold. And so the doom of our age is foretold. In which side? Remember the Christians? Remember the Christians who fled Jerusalem? They saw, they knew the end was coming. They remembered the warnings of Christ. That when the armies were gathering and they got up en masse and they exited the city and they fled and they were saved from the great and terrible doom of Jerusalem. Beloved, remember the words of Jesus. Repent of your sins. Repent not of just doing bad things, but repent of your unbelief. Repent of your lack of love for him. Repent. Turn away from it. The word repent means to turn away, to turn around, to go the opposite way, to change your thinking. To begin to trust him. Instead of trusting in yourself or or ignoring him, may he now be the Lord of your life. May he now be the object of your love. Friend, again, we live in an age that is deceived into thinking we're not that bad. Yet, when you consider that Adam was condemned in his sin for eating some fruit cocktail, or eating an apple, whatever he ate, a piece of fruit, and that was enough to condemn him To cast him out of the garden. To separate him from a divine relationship with God. And to condemn all of his posterity. All of his children. All of us in Adam died. Why? Was it a great sin? Did he commit murder? Was it adultery? Did he embezzle a fortune? Was he? What did he do? He disobeyed God and had a piece of fruit. And that was enough to condemn his soul. Friend, don't deceive yourself. Don't look upon your own heart and think, I'm alright. Do you love Jesus? Are you trusting in him? Your sins have condemned you. Your unbelief and your lack of love. Think of the commandments. That you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Which one of us has done that? Do that? Have ever done that from the day of our birth? None of us. You children. The Bible tells us that we are to obey our parents. Not just outwardly but inwardly. The sin of disobedience is enough to condemn us to everlasting hell. Beloved, but there is good news. God does not desire the death of any. He does not desire that any should be lost. But he presents salvation to you. He calls you to repentance. He calls you to relationship with him. That you would look to him and be saved. He desires you. And he calls you and commands you to come. Will you not come this evening? 
Will you not look unto Jesus and be saved? Understand and remember the lesson of Jerusalem. Judgment is coming. And the truth is it could come at any moment. No man knows the time, the day or the hour. We know it's coming. We know it, it, it's more certain than tomorrow's dawn. Jesus Christ will return for his church. And it's going to be a great celebration. It's going to be fantastic and wonderful. But in the same sense, in the same way, it's going to be a, a catastrophe. And a terrible end. Remember Noah and Noah's flood. Jesus is both the ark and the flood. Noah and his family were saved within the ark. Christ is the ark that protects all Christians. But in the same sense, the flood that came and destroyed the ancient world is the wrath of Christ upon all those who do not believe. Friend, you are either a victim of that flood or you are safe within that ark. And Jesus calls you, commands you to come. You have a wonderful, wonderful privilege of being able to hear the word of God. Of being exposed to sound teaching. And to hear the voice of Christ all the time calling, calling, come, come. Believe in me. Will you be like Jerusalem of old? A flatterer with your lips. One who pays eye service, does things on the outward, but inwardly is dead. Inwardly has no love for Jesus. Thinks you can get away with it. You cannot deceive him, for he knows. Do you remember the story of the Passover? And the angel of death that went through Egypt. Who was it that was spared? Who was it that the angel passed over? So not all those who had their door frames marked with the, the blood of the lamb. They bore the symbol. The angel saw and knew that they are the elect of God. They're the ones chosen. And it passed over. Beloved, if you do not have the mark of the blood of Christ upon you, when judgment comes, you will fall. Friends, remember the lesson of, of Jerusalem. Remember that that which was foretold and forewritten happened. The destruction of Jerusalem was complete and absolute. And the destruction that is to come is complete and absolute. I'm reminded of Luke 24, where Jesus, in talking with his disciples, and he says to them about this, 45, 24-45, and he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And he told them this, this is what is written, that the Christ shall suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. 
You're witnesses of these things. And I am going. And I am going to send uh, you what my father has promised. And then again in verse 44. And he said to them this. This is what I have told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me. In the law of Moses. In the prophets and in the Psalms. Friend I hope. I pray that the Lord would open up your minds, that you might understand and that you might see the danger that you're in. That you might see and understand the great privilege and the wonder of the offer that is presented to you tonight. That Jesus is our saviour and he saves us and he transforms our hearts. And keeps us and protects us. Not just in this life, but in the life that is to come. You're either in the ark, or you die in the flood. Jesus is the ark of God. He's also the flood of the wrath of God that is to come. He who is both the lamb and the lion. Friends, Remember the lesson of Jerusalem. If you do not believe, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're still in your sins, cry out unto him. Go home and and get right with the Lord. Go home and get on your knees. If you have to go out into the snow and be alone and say, Lord, I want to learn the lesson of Jerusalem. I want to be one of those who fleed, fled, sorry, the, the wrath that was to come. I want to be one of those who escaped before the time is too late. Friend, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to awaken you. Trying so you know that these things are true and real. As everything was fulfilled about the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, about his crucifixion, about his burial and his resurrection, so too the second coming of Christ shall be fulfilled in all of its detail. All mankind, all mankind will, will endure this terrible suffering that is to come upon the earth. Unless you are in the ark of God, which is Christ. Friend, let's pray. Let's pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we ask that you would move upon our hearts. For those who do not know you, Lord, Lord, from the youngest to the oldest, Lord, we pray that you would open up their eyes. We ask you, Lord, that they would perceive and understand their need for a saviour that lord they would understand the the sinfulness of their heart not that they do bad things it's because they they do not believe their hearts are absent they are dead in their trespasses and sins we pray lord god that you would move in their minds lord as you saved us and have saved countless people from the very beginning We trust, O Lord, that you would continue to do it. Lord, that people would look unto Jesus and be saved. Lord God, may they learn the lesson of Jerusalem. Lord, may they understand that the time is coming and it is foretold and forewritten 
that the end will come. Oh, Lord, I pray, move this day. Lord, we ask this for your glory and your glory alone. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.